Welcome to Star Wars and TN. Now hit the intro. What will you have? You are now tuned in to a Star Wars show, so just sit back and ready to flow. Clear your mind of what you know, and let the force be the course of where we go. As we take this journey far, far away, now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Far, Far Away family? How's everyone doing on this Tuesday? I hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Nothing really new has happened out here on the Outer Rim. So I think we should just jump right into the story. They surrounded themselves with luxury and material comforts, a far cry from the austere life they had led during their years on Ambria. There were times when Xana missed the simplicity of those early days. Life on Ambria had been hard, but it had kept her strong and she couldn't help but wonder if the lavish lifestyle here on Ciutric had made her and Bane soft. The Victory's engines roared to life and the shuttle rose up a few meters off the ground. Xana piloted by instinct while her mind continued its train of thought. Life was a constant struggle. The strong would survive and the weak would perish. That was the way of the universe, the natural order. It was the philosophy embraced by the code of the Sith. But here on Ciutric, it was easy to be lulled into a sense of peace. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. Xana understood that chains were not always made of iron and durasteel. They could sometimes be woven of expensive shimmer silk. The easy life they enjoyed on Ciutric was a trap as dangerous as any the Jedi could ever set for them. She had continued her study and training even after Bane had moved them into their magnificent estate outside the city. But the sense of urgency and the threat of danger that had spurred her on during her early years had faded, replaced by the ennui of security and contentment. It was time to stake her claim as Dark Lord of the Sith. She would already have challenged him by now if not for two things. The first was the tremor she had noticed in his left hand several months ago. He tried to hide it from her, but she noticed it more and more. She didn't know the cause of the tremor, but regardless, it was an obvious sign of his degenerating skills. Perhaps too obvious. Bane was a master manipulator. Xana couldn't dismiss the idea that he was faking it. What if the tremor was a ruse meant to lure her into the confrontation before she was truly ready? One final test to see if the apprentice had learned the lesson of patience he had worked so hard to ingrain into her. I will strike at a time of my choosing. Xana vowed to herself, not his. But in order to make her move, she had to be ready with an apprentice of her own. Two there should be, no more, no less. One to embody the power, the other to crave it. The rule of two was inviolate. If she was going to seize the mantle of Master from Bane, she would need to find an apprentice. So far, despite her best efforts, she had failed to locate even a single potential candidate. Bane had recognized her own potential when, as a young girl, she had killed the Jedi who had mistakenly slain her friend. Now, she was going to investigate the mysterious death of another Jedi. Might she find her successor the same way Bane had found her? But if she was thinking along these lines, it was a sure bet that Bane had thought of it too. He was rarely caught unprepared or off guard. So why would Bane send her on a mission that could end with her finding the individual who might become the next Sith apprentice? Did her master want her to challenge him? Was he trying to help her? Or was he looking to replace her? Maybe 
he had decided she was unworthy of assuming his title. Maybe he was hoping this mission would provide him with someone new to train in the ways of the dark side, and he planned to cast her aside. If that's true, Master, you might be surprised at how this ends. Underestimate me at your peril. A beep from the nav screen notified her as the shuttle broke Seutrix's atmosphere. A few seconds later, she felt the unmistakable surge as the ship made the leap into hyperspace. Xana eased her seat back and closed her eyes. There was no point in dwelling on all the possibilities of what Bane might or might not be thinking, or what his secret motivations for sending her on the mission might be. The web of his machinations could be too impossibly tangled to unweave. But she knew one thing for sure. Something was about to change. For 20 years, she had served as his loyal apprentice, learning the ways of the Sith. Now her time as a pupil was about to end. Whatever the mission might bring, she had decided this would be the last time she answered to Darth Bane. Coruscant was unlike anything Sarah had ever seen. As a child, she had known nothing but the simple isolation of her father's camp. When he had sent her away, she'd visited dozens of other worlds before settling on Doan, but all of them had been less populated planets on the Outer Rim. Her entire life had been spent on the fringes of civilization. Here, on the planet-wide metropolis that was the Republic capital, she had been hurled into the madness of the galactic core. Kaleeb had made sure his daughter's education was well-rounded. She had read descriptions of Coruscant. She had memorized all the relevant facts and figures. But knowing a world had a population approaching one trillion individuals and seeing it in person were entirely different. Sarah simply stared out the window of the airspeeder, speechless as it darted and dived, fighting its way through the heavy traffic of the skyline. Below, an endless ocean of durasteel and permacrete stretched off to the horizon in all directions, shining with the permanent glow of a million lights. The effect was overwhelming. The crowds, the vehicles, the dull cacophony of sounds that could be heard over the hum of the engines, the sheer magnitude of it was almost more than her mind could grasp. It made her feel small, insignificant. There it is, Lucia said, nodding out the window. In the distance, Sarah could just make out a massive structure that towered high above the rest of the cityscape. The Jedi Temple. The swift-moving speeder was bringing them rapidly closer, and it wasn't long before she could make out the unique details of the temple's construction. The foundation was a pyramid of successively smaller blocks, creating a stepped or ziggurat effect. On the top of the uppermost level was a tall central spire, surrounded on each corner by smaller secondary spires. Scattered among the spires were open plazas, wide promenades, vast natural gardens, and a number of smaller buildings that served as dorms or administrative centers. As the speeder dropped out of the main line of traffic toward the destination, the structure's true scope became apparent. Everything on Coruscant was grand and magnificent, but the temple dominated the skyline. Sarah recalled that it had been built on top of a mountain. Not on a mountain, like the small settlements the nobles had constructed on the plateaus of Doan, but actually over the mountain. The stepped pyramid covered the entire surface, swallowing the mountain so completely that it was no longer visible. Their vehicle banked in a wide circle around the tranquility spire, the tall central tower, before touching down on a landing pad in the shadow of the smaller tower on the northwest corner. Let's get this over with, Lucia muttered, standing quickly and offering her hand to help Sarah up from her seat. 
The princess realized Lucia was as uncomfortable as she was. Though she suspected her bodyguard's unease had less to do with the overwhelming sights and sounds of Coruscant, and more to do with her days as a soldier fighting against the Army of Light. Even after 20 years, Lucia still harbored a resentment toward both the Jedi and the Republic. That and the fact that she still probably felt guilty for hiring the assassin who had killed the Jedi Emissary. Sarah, on the other hand, felt nothing but gratitude for what her friend had done. And she had no intention of letting anyone, not the King and not the Jedi, find out that Lucia was responsible. Remember what I told you, she said, placing a comforting hand on her friend's shoulder. I have dealt with the Jedi before. I know how to handle them. I know their weaknesses, their blind spots. We will get through this. The bodyguard took a deep breath and nodded. Sarah did the same, centering herself in anticipation of the coming confrontation. Okay, that wasn't much for content. Basically, Xana's ready to take her place as the master of the Sith, but she needs to find an apprentice first before she can do that. And Sarah is wowed by Coruscant. Lucia thinks that she knows how to handle the Jedi, but she's just ready to get it over with. And that was this part. Not much to it. So join us tomorrow for more of the story. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Intent. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Kenai Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.